You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. In the summer of 2019, months before the COVID pandemic would fuel a massive expansion of podcast availability, an eventual acceptance of this medium, even from the most conservative religious circles, the Yeshiva of Newark launched its platform, fusing an enlightened series of shurim and contemporary topics presented uncompromisingly with serious interviews and dialogue with important figures in education, psychology, and mystical thought. The result shown important shafts of light on hitherto unnoticed problems and suggesting real solutions. During the global shutdown of in-person learning options and forced quarantines, hundreds of searchers across multiple time zones joined our Zoom live events every afternoon and evening. Sophisticated classes described the fundamentals of Talmud learning for adults who had been underserved. Scarly old hands joined Shurim and Yershalmi and Dafyemi. We were at the forefront of producing Hespedim for so many stalwarts of Torah and Avoda who passed away during the height of the Magefa. These presentations brought comfort and appreciation to the bereaved of our people. The platform routinely chimed in on the relevant issues and upsetting scandals of the day from a rabbinic perspective. We even offered options for healthy, life-affirming entertainment in a world bowled over by streaming services. With downloads approaching the million mark and an archival library numbering in the thousands, the Yeshiva of Newark podcast has been striving to continuously upgrade our content, professionalize our audio sound, along with altering approaches in light of much-appreciated listener feedback. I firmly believe that a niche has been carved out that resonates with many on the wide spectrum of observant Jews. This explains why we continually rank high in independent online lists of top yeshiva podcasts. This proud edifice I've described is in real danger of toppling and disappearing. We need the help of our listeners to continue to record and edit, to promote the product that has been a balm and instructor to so many. Just $36 as a minimum donation from a thousand of you out there will keep us afloat as a new arc of straight, intelligent, humorous discussion, lectures, debate, and inquiry, while the destructive waters of ignorance and identity politics, cyberbullying, crash around us. Your generous contributions will seal and galvanize this arc till it comes to a satisfying rest in an era of Beloi Ha'oretz Deo, heralding Mashiach, Bimheira, Bimeinu, Amen. Okay, so tonight uh, we have what I think is a, an interesting uh, question to uh, to consider. Um, it's certainly one which, in the specific application in which we are going to discuss, it is one which is a 21st century question. It couldn't have been asked uh, in the time of Chazal. Uh, in the manner in which uh, we're going to ask it, but it's something which um, once you one hears the question and appreciates where the question is coming from, so it's actually quite a common question. I think it's it's quite a a common question, not such an unusual question. And without giving you any uh, advance notice of what it is, so we'll just go ahead and we will open up the document, and 
we will be ready to rock and roll. <laughs> okay. So, as you can see on the top over there, repaying a loan with Zell in the bathroom. That's not a comment about anything other than, let's say there's money which you owe, and uh, is it an appropriate thing to go ahead and do so in the in the bathroom? And we'll see all the way at the end uh, why it's going to be specifically this Shila. But we're going to work through the issues related to it before we go ahead and get to the actual loan part of the Shila. Okay, mm -hmm. so now the question is, where we begin with really is, what is the Shiloh? Why would this be a Shiloh Bechlau? What, what's going to be the issue? So believe it or not, and again, this is one of the super exciting things that we like about Halacha, that it's so conceptual in where you find the sources for the discussion could be literally almost anywhere. And that is, we begin in Hilchos Rosh Hashanah by the Halachas of shofar blowing. All right. So you're wondering, hmm, what does shofar blowing have to do with paying back a loan with Zell in a bathroom? Good question. So, says Shulchan Aruch, this is in Simon Tovkov Peches, Thief Base. Shama Pestikiyot Betes shows by Yom. So, the halacha is we know that on the Daraisa level, so all you need to hear are nine blasts of the shofar. Tkiyah, Trua, Tkiyah, Tkiyah, Trua, Tkiyah, Tkiyah, Trua, Tkiyah. Due to uncertainties about the definition of a trua, so that's why we do as many as we do. But technically, all you need to hear is nine blasts. And now Shulchan Aruch says, based on the Gemara, that you don't have to hear them consecutively. You have to hear them in order, but they don't have to be done. They don't have to be heard all at once. If you hear nine blasts in nine hours of the day, so at six you hear a tkiya, seven you hear a trua, eight you hear a tkiya, nine you hear a tkiya, ten you hear a trua. 11, and etc. I'm going to get confused. So, Yatsa. So, as long as you heard the nine blasts over the course of the day, you're Yodzei. And even if you don't have one Baltokea, you don't have one person blowing all nine blasts, Ruvain blows the first, Shimon blows the second, Levi blows the third, Yehuda blows the uh, fourth, even if there's different people, even though we consider the set of tkia trua tkia to be a set, but even a single set of three doesn't have to be, uh, you don't have to hear that blast from the same baltokea, you could switch around. That's the halacha. Okay, that's a beautiful idea. Okay, so now the Mishabura says on this, and this is Mishabura in Sivkat and Vav, he quotes the Magen Avram, who says, When are you going to be Yotze? When you go ahead and you hear nine shofar blasts over nine hours of the day, that's only when the interruption between one blast and the, another is not the result of an onus. There wasn't an onus which prevented you from hearing the next set. But Habisha onus, but in the event that you pause between your tkia and your trua, because an onus took place, which we're going to define, some circumstance beyond your control, which prevented you from hearing shofar at that moment, even if the delay between your tkia and your trua, or between your trua and your tkia, was the amount of time it would take to finish that set, so an interruption uh, uh, that's an onus, in the middle of even a set, you have to go back to the beginning of that row. So even if you're, if you're on the second row, 
and you in the middle of, after the tkia before you get to the trua, there's an onus which prevents you from hearing the trua at that moment. So you got to go back to the tkia of that row and do again tkia trua tkia. The fee pasak harama besimen samachay ayin sham based on the ruling of the rama in simen samachay, which has to do with interruptions when you're going ahead and saying kriyashma. Okay, so so far what we know is is that the, the Mishabura quotes from the Magen Avram that in the event that although one can be Yotze, the nine shofar blasts over nine hours of the day, but if there's some sort of interruption between any one of those blasts, which result from an ones, which again, we haven't defined yet, but they're the result of an ones, so that breaks that row, and you go back to the beginning of the row, and you start that again, do not collect $200, okay? So that is what we know from the Mishabura quoting the Magen Avram. Comes along the Bir Halacha. It looks like a long Bir Halacha, but it's actually not so long. He says, he says, look at what I wrote over there by uh, in the name of the Magen Avram. That's the beginning thing over here. And then he said, now the Mishabura is on his own. In the Bir Halacha, he says, the Kashali. He says, I really have difficulty with this Halacha of the Magen Avram. What's the difficulty? It's based on what the Magen Avram wrote in Simen Samachay, which is the source of this halacha about interruptions in the middle of the mitzvah and whether or not you have to start again or you just pick it up where you left off. In the Magen Avram over there says, that the only time we send you back to the beginning of the row or we send you back to the beginning of the mitzvah when an onus occurs, is Ellen Kane Kim Bisha Onis who Begufadavar? It's only when the onus, the the circumstance which prevented you from continuing the mitzvah, is related to the thing itself, meaning Kagon, Shaloi Adam Roy Machmas Gufnaki. Let's say the person was unable to continue because his body wasn't clean. So in the event his body wasn't clean, and that's why he interrupted Kriyashma, for example. So you have to go back to the beginning of Kriyashma. Oh, Or let's say that the area, the space, or the, the, the place where you were turned out to not be clean. Somebody went ahead and soiled themselves. And as a result of that, so the place is not clean. And that's an onus which prevents you from being able to do the mitzvah. So that is the circumstance where we send you back. That's what the Magen of Ram says over there. So now based on this, so says the Mishabura, says the Biralacha, that this concern about an interruption in the middle sending you back to the beginning, that seemingly should only apply by Shmonesre, davening, benching, halo or Magilla, where either you're not clean or the place is not clean. Because and when you you are not clean, or if the location is not clean, so then there's an iser for you to go ahead and mention God's name, or to say a divrei Torah, or any davar shemakdusha in that place. But what about when you happen to walk in, you need to use the bathroom or something, in, the, in between blast three and four. So it's true, you went into the bathroom, but she'en rak ma'isa mitzvah. If you're just listening to the shofar, so you're not actually saying God's name, you're not saying a davar shebe you're not learning Torah, the whole mitzvah is just to listen to the shofar blast, 
who says you can't listen to the shofar blast in the event that the area, we'll just say for simplicity because we're talking about a bathroom, who says that you're not able to perform a mitzvah in a location which happens to not be clean? Or, similarly, where do we find that you cannot fulfill a mitzvah just because your body is not clean? You can't daven. You can't say dvaram shebekedusha. You can't learn in those conditions. But who says you can't do a mitzvah? Or in a place which is not clean. Now he says the obvious question. He says, Ha'im asa libosh talas shaldal kanfos keshagufa amakom enonaki? He says, this is usher to wear tzitzis, to wear a four-corner garment, just because your body's not clean or because you're in a place that's not clean. What that would mean, if we were to take that literally, is every time a man goes into the bathroom, he'd have to take off his tzitzis. And you don't find anybody who says that you have to take off your tzitzis every time you go into the bathroom. The talus, yes, because the talus is a davening garment, and it's disrespectful for a, ta- for a davening garment to go into a bathroom. But just your regular tzitzis, who says such a thing? Nobody says. Says the says the shumakum. We don't find any I, precedent for this whatsoever. and therefore he says, I don't know what the, where the mugin of rum is coming as far as this is concerned. Yes, sir. I, 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 I thought I thought even a talis was just a minhub to take it off, but but lahalacha. I thought you were allowed to leave it on, and that's why you don't have to make a new bracha on it when you get out of the bathroom. Correct. Correct. So in the worst case scenario, right? So, but we don't find that there should be an actual iser. So if that's the Muggen of Rum standard that has to be either you're not clean or the place is not clean, what, what does that have to do with shofar blowing? Shofar blowing, you're not saying anything. You're not uh, saying divrei Torah. You're not, uh, you're not davening. So what, what should be the problem? And he says... Uh, Uh, okay, so now he quotes the Magen of uh, then the Biralach goes on to quote a Mata Ephraim. We're not going to read it inside because we have a lot to do. But he, in his summary, says the Biralach, Dima Zel Ladina de Kriyashma. So the um, uh, Mata Ephraim equates shofar blowing with uh, Kriyashma to some degree in terms of uh, clen- the, the necessity for cleanliness. And perhaps the reason why he goes that and equates it is the Kevin, the Kaimalan, the Tsar Kavana Latsaisidea mitzvah, being that not only when you're davening, but anytime you fulfill a mitzvah, so you need Kavana, there has to be intent to fulfill the mitzvah. Shitsivano Hashem Yizbarak, that God, when before you do any mitzvah, you're supposed to have in mind, I'm doing this now because Hashem commanded me to do so. So maybe kavana to fulfill the mitzvah is comparable to divrei Torah, and that's why you would not be able to go ahead and fulfill a mitzvah while in the uh, the bathroom or without a uh, without a uh, a uh, without a clean body. The logara mehira b'divrei Torah, and it's no different than if you're thinking about a good dvar Torah. You're thinking about the rabbi's drush in the bathroom. So as exciting as the rabbi's drush was, the bathroom is not a place that you should be thinking about it. So in the same way that you shouldn't be thinking about the rabbi's drush, some people find that that's the only place to think about it. But for, by and large, it's going to be the, the uh, you should not be thinking about the rabbi's drasha. So by the same token, maybe you shouldn't be doing a mitzvah because you're supposed to be thinking about kavana to do the mitzvah when you do a mitzvah. And that is like divrei Torah, and that's why it's aser. Or he says, 
וגם יש אומר בפשיטוס. He says maybe there's another simple explanation as to why one should not do a mitzvah in a bathroom. Because at the time that you're actively doing the mitzvah, that service of God, you're serving God at that moment. And you shouldn't be doing your avodas Hashem in a disrespectful manner, like in a bathroom. Because that is degrading or demeaning to the mitzvah. So maybe that's the reason why Shofar blowing should not be done. You should not be listening to shofar when in a bathroom. For one of these two reasons that the uh, the Bir Halacha suggests, based on the Mata Ephraim, either because you need kavana and kavana for a mitzvah is like divrei Torah itself, or because any kiyum ha mitzvah, any fulfillment of a mitzvah, is itself a form of avoda, and it's disrespectful to avoda Hashem to be doing it in a circumstance or a location which is less than honorable and respectful. Rabbi Schaffel, yes. doesn't a mitzvah count even if you don't, many of them, I mean, not maybe not all, but mo, don't most mitzvot count even if you don't have kavana? So there's a machlokas about that. That's what's going on in Samachay over there that they're referring to, whether yes, uh, you need kavana, no, you, you need kavana. So it's a machlokas. So, but if it's a machloket and it is not settled, then that doesn't, I mean, if we're eventually going to get to paying something with Zell in the bathroom, if your intention is simply to pay your debt and not to do a mitzvah, <laughs> uh, it seems you would, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't disqualify you. Right. Okay, hold on. We, we, that's going to be source 10. We're on four. So we're getting there. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. You're good. I appreciate it. But you guys are ahead of the game. I could just uh, step down now and you guys will just finish off this year without me. So says the Mishnah. Now the whole point of this, the reason why this is an issue, it's just important to know this is from a different place in the Mishnah Brewer. This is in Simon Ayin Vav, Steve Cotton Bays. So the Mishnah Brewer says, as sort of like an introduction to a whole series of Simonim, he says, duh, you should know. So all of these Simonim from Ayin Vav 76 to Peches 88, and the same thing is true with regards to the prohibition to say divrei Torah or Davin or Kriyashma with uh, a part of the body uncovered that's supposed to be covered. Although these halachas are framed in Shulchan Aruch about Kriyashma, they're all discussions about the recitation of Kriyashma in one of those conditions. Regardless of whether we're discussing the circumstances where it's allowed or whether we're discussing the circumstances where it's not allowed, although we always discuss it from the perspective of Kriyashma, we don't really mean to limit this halacha to Kriyashma. The same thing is going to be true if you want to study Torah or you want to say any tefillah whatsoever in one of those circumstances, so it's going to be the same halacha. Now here comes the key for us over here. The chol in Yone HaKedusha, as well as any other sacred matter, also has the same guidelines. Bein she'omri b'lashon kodesh, u'bein b'lashon chol, and that doesn't make a difference whether the divrei Torah that you're saying or the prayer that you're saying is in Hebrew or it's in some other language, that's irrelevant. But anything which is Torah, anything which is tefillah, and the chol in Yone Kedusha, you can highlight, I'm doing it, and anything that relates to Kedusha, so all of that 
cannot be done in a circumstance where you are not clean, the place is not clean, or something is exposed, there's a power of a body which is exposed, which is not supposed to be exposed. So based on this, this would be the foundation to say that this would be an argument and in support of the Mata Ephraim and the explanation that the Bir Halacha, the two explanations that the Bir Halacha gives as to why doing a mitzvah in a bathroom would be something which is problematic. Because any mitzvah we assume is going to fall into the, into the category of inyane kedusha, and therefore we should have a problem. Okay, so now when you begin to think about and you, now you, we have this concept in our head that there may be an issue with performing a mitzvah in a bathroom. So now if you begin to think about it, you say, hmm, what are mitzvahs which would have uh, not uh, unfrequently or uh, would regularly could be done in a bathroom type of setting? Obviously, we're not talking about tefillah. We're not having a minion in the bathroom or anything like that. But what type of mitzvahs could arise in a bathroom? Now, remember, it's also going to be important that when we talk about a bathroom, bathroom is just an example of a place which is not clean. Another place which in the time of Chazal was not clean, is, which was not clean, is a bathhouse. Think of it in terms of a schwitz, where lots of people are walking around without clothing. There's one hot pool that people go into. So there's a lot of steam and there's a lot of heat and there's a lot of whatever you imagine. It's like a, a, a locker room times 10 or something like that. So that's not a particularly uh, comfortable place uh, uh, to to be in terms of smells. And then another similar place is, as we're going to see, is a slaughterhouse, a place which has lots of dead stuff. So as we now think about this, so now we have a halacha in Yeridea. This is the halachas of Kigbud Rabo Vitamukacham. Says in the Reshman Dal Tzif Dal in Yeridea, says Shulchan Aruch, that ain't only mipneim, lo bebeis lo so if your Rebbe walks into a bathroom where you are, or a Rebbe walks into a bathhouse where you happen to be, walks into the mikvah when you're there, you don't stand up. You don't stand up to give honor to a Rebbe in a bathroom or a bathhouse. The chsiv, because the Basak says, takum v'hadarta. The source of standing up for a Rebbe is, the key term is going to be v'hadarta, a way of conveying honor. So it's going to be specifically standing up in a manner which conveys honor. In standing up, if one isn't wearing clothing, so that's not necessarily the most honorable way, uh, the, the, the nicest way to show honor, and the mitzvah does not apply. Says the Pischei Tshuva on this. He says, uh, the Sivkat and Gimel there, he says, So the Lecha Mishra says that there's a Rebbe and there's a Rebbe. In other words, this Allah applies even for your Rabbo Muvak, meaning your primary Rebbe. So the one that you learn most of your Torah from, the same Allah would apply that you don't stand up, even though there's a higher level of cover that one is supposed to give the Rebbe Muvak, but this Allah that you don't stand up in the bathhouse or bathroom, that applies. And if you look at this other Sefer on the Rambam, he disagrees. The sovereign he maintains the dafka barabo she'ena muva obesharchacham obeseva. That when do you not stand up for somebody in a bathroom or a bath uh, or or a or a, a mikvah? That's going to be by your non-primary rebbe, a stam tamul chacham, or a stam elderly individual. Yesh eludinim. That's when these halachas apply that you don't have to stand up because it doesn't convey honor. Avabaravo muva kshubachlal mora. 
But when it comes to your Rebbe Muvak, your primary Rebbe, where there's an obligation to demonstrate reverence for that Rebbe, so one has to stand up even in the Shvitz, even in the Mikvah. The same thing is true when it comes to Kibbut Aveim, that if one's father were to walk in, so you'd have to stand up. So here, what do we see from here? Here we have an example where one is in a circumstance, one is in a location where we don't want you to go ahead and speak the very Torah. We don't want you to go ahead and to daven in that place. And yet it seems to be, at least according to the Arba, to Reheven, the, the Lecha Mishnah doesn't disagree for this for this consideration, but it seems to me that the Arba, to Reheven, says that you you are obligated to stand up for your Rebbe Muvak, even though it involves doing a mitzvah while you're in the bathhouse. So this would seem to point in the, to the direction not like the Mata Ephraim, who the Bir Halacha seems to be supporting, who says that maybe you don't do a mitzvah in a location which is not clean like a bathroom, either because you need to have kavana for the mitzvah, which is like Divrei Torah, or it's a form of avoda. Over here, it seems to be that we've done away with that Halacha. Now another case. Now this is a Ramah earlier in Yerodeah. This is by Hilcho Shrita. So the Ramah says, now you have to pay attention to the exact, the exact case that he's concerned about, because that's going to be critical. The Ramah writes, Im So if you are shechting in a slaughterhouse, so again, there's lots of dead animal, there's lots of blood, there's lots of intestines, there's lots of, it smells like a farm. That's essentially, essentially what it is. So there you are. Which is a place which is filthy and smelly. So, obviously, since, I don't know how many of you know, maybe it's not so obvious, but before Shechita, since Shechita is the mitzvah, so there's a bracha which is recited before Shechting. So since you cannot say a bracha in a place which smells bad, so what you need to do is you need to walk out of the slaughterhouse, far enough away where you're far almost away from where the smell ends, say the bracha there, and then you'll go back into the slaughterhouse, and then you do the Shechita. And after you say the bracha outside, so since the bracha is on the shechita, you're not allowed to interrupt between the bracha and the maisa mitzvah and the action of the mitzvah of shechita itself. So therefore, you have to remain silent all the way from outside of the barn until inside of the barn until after you finish shechting. Yeah? So here, the Ramah is talking about the concern about saying a bracha inside of the shlachtois, inside of the, uh, the the slaughterhouse. But what's significant for us is not what the Ramah does say. What's significant for us is what the Ramah does not say. Because the Ramah's only concern is the bracha on the shechita should not be done in a location which smells bad. But the Ramah doesn't seem to be bothered by the fact that you're doing the mitzvah of shechita in a place which smells bad. So doesn't this now prove once again our point that you seemingly can go ahead and perform a mitzvah in a circumstance where the uh, where it smells bad and you wouldn't be allowed to daven, like a bathroom. Now, interestingly, on this, he says, This is on the Dark Echuva, sorry. Dark Echuva there in Yorodea. The Dark Echuva is sort of like a Mishnah Brura, um, uh, but it's on Yorodea. Not even on all of Yorodea, much of Yorodea. But he writes, it's from the uh, the Munkat, one of the early Munkatsha rabbis. They were known for their uh, their proficiency in halacha. So he says, 
So the Ikre Hadat, that's how he's referred to, so he is concerned, he is interested in what the Ramah writes over here, where he says the Ramah's only concern is where you're going to say the bracha on Shechita. You can't say the bracha in the smelly place, so you have to go outside of the smelly place to say the bracha, and then you go back in. Umashma, this implies the chol hashchita in kapeda, but that implies that we don't care that the shchita, the mitzvah of shchita, is happening in a place which smells bad. That seems to be perfectly acceptable. But but wait a minute, shchita is a positive mitzvah. And how could you go ahead and do shchita? in a place which smells bad, since when are you allowed to do a mitzvah in a place which smells bad? This sounds like the Mata Ephraim that the Bir Halacha is going like. And this is, this, this notion that you should not do a mitzvah in a place where it's not clean. So this is something which we find in the Sefer from the Gon Chida, one of his many svarim, called Tuv Ayin. That if a person wants to go ahead and take a lulav and esro, they say lulav and esro, all I'm doing is a mitzvah, I don't have to necessarily say a bracha. I'm just going to go ahead, I'm going to do the mitzvah without saying a bracha. Says the gon chida, you may not take the lulav and esro to fulfill the mitzvah in the bathroom or in the shvitz. Right? Let's say back in the day when people didn't own their own set of lulav and esro. So somebody went into the uh, to the mikvah that morning because they wanted to be kadosh v'tohar when they fulfill the mitzvah. You happen to be in the mikvah also, and you say to the fellow, hey, do you mind if I go ahead and take your lulav and esrog to do the mitzvah now? I'm not going to be davening and show with you, but I'd like to do the mitzvah, and I don't own my own set of lulav and esrog. And the guy says, sure, no problem. The gon chidah says, no, 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 no. You cannot fulfill the mitzvah of lulav and esrog, even though it's just a matter of holding it in your hands, but you cannot do so if you are in a bathhouse. Like the Zohar writes, so we're already getting Kabbalistic over here. Because when one is fulfilling a mitzvah, the place where you are doing the mitzvah has to be clean. And a bathroom, a shvitz, a mikvah, a shlachtois is not a clean place. Therefore, it's another reason he has uh, the Ikri the Hadat has issue with doing shechita in a place which is smelly, is obviously when you're shechting, we hope that the shochet, he has to be well-versed in the halachas of shechita, he has to know exactly what he's doing, and he has to make sure that he does it correctly. So he has to be thinking about the mitzvah as he's doing the shechita, uh, and uh, being that he's going to be thinking about the mitzvah, that, that should also be a problem, because you can't be thinking about halacha in a dirty place either. So what are we supposed to do with this, says Ikre Hadat? He says, It must be that the Gon Chida is wrong. Because we have evidence from the fact that you are allowed to do a mitzvah. The Ramah here seems to indicate that you can do a mitzvah in a dirty place. So how anybody is going to be able to uh, argue to the contrary, so that would mean that you're going against the Ramah. And he says, even a court far the tube ayin is concerned. So don't ask that that to, to prove him wrong. I guess the shomer dein is to lahar basias a mitzvah. I'm sorry, the, the, sorry. And the 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 concerns that the tuv ayin that the gon chida had, he says, are really not a question because dein is to lahar basias a mitzvah. Ragbir divrei Torah. 
the the uh, the says the whole restriction against thinking Torah in a place which is not clean is only while you're doing a mitzvah is only if you're thinking about divrei Torah related to it. It's not the mechanics of the mitzvah what you're thinking about, but you're thinking about a good vort related to it. Or you want to go ahead and say the bracha while you're in that place which is not clean. And even from the Zohar, which the Gon Chidah quoted, if you think about it, there's actually no proof that you can't perform the actual mitzvah itself. Because the Mevar will be that the Zohar is saying that you should not go ahead and do a mitzvah in a place which is not clean. But it didn't mean to say that if you did it, that you're not Yotze, or if that's the only circumstance in which you can fulfill the mitzvah, that you wouldn't be Yotze. And therefore, the Kriyadat is of the opinion that really you could do a mitzvah in a bathroom. Comes along the Dark Yitzhuva himself, and he says, He says, you know what? I don't even think, although the Gon Chida does discuss the whether or not you're allowed to fulfill a mitzvah in a bathroom, but even the Gon Chida, who was Machmer, who said you're not allowed to, he didn't mean every mitzvah, that there's no mitzvah that you could do in a bathroom. Duhulo, in, in, and he would allow you to go ahead and shecht the animal even in a bathroom or a shlach twice, which smells bad. Why? So now we're going to find out the Dark Yitzhuva asserts that there are mitzvahs and there are mitzvahs. What does that mean? There's mitzvahs and there's mitzvahs. So he explains, Duhulo amar rak esog velula. Where, what mitzvah did the Gon Chida say explicitly you're not allowed to do in a bathroom or place which is not clean? He said you can't do the mitzvah of Lulav and Esrog. Shehi mitzvah chiyuvis. Because Lulav and Esrog is a mitzvah which you must do. He doesn't explain why. Or he says a little bit. He says these are mitzvahs which you must do. Vein baim l'ratzos. And mitzvahs which are incumbent upon a person to do, the ultimate goal of those mitzvahs is to make God happy. That's what Lerazzo says, like Ritzay, the word Ritzay, to find favor. Like the Ritva says over there. So when you're doing something specifically to appease or to make God happy, that you should be doing in a respectful manner and doing it in a bathroom or a bathhouse, or a place which is otherwise smelly, that's not a respectful way. That's like giving a gift to, uh, you know, you're, uh, you're dropping off, uh, I don't know, you're dropping off uh, a gold ring by, uh, by the king in order to give him honor and respect, but it happens to smell like sardines. So if the ring is going to smell like sardines, so he's not going to be very happy, although a gold ring would certainly be beautiful, but if it smells horrid, like sardines, no offense, so then it's going to be, uh, that would be problematic. So those types of mitzvahs are what you're not allowed to do in a bathroom or a smelly place. But when it comes to shechting, shechting, although it's a mitzvah, it's not an obligatory mitzvah. It's like a heksher mitzvah of sorts, meaning if you want to eat meat, so you have to go ahead and you have to shecht it properly before you eat the meat. But there's no mitzvah to eat meat, and there's no mitzvah, there's no mitzvah in the sense of a chiyuv to go ahead and shecht. So it's just something that you need to do to be able to eat meat, but it's not intended to make God happy in any way. It's not a gesture towards God. And therefore, the Ramah's case that allows for shechting in a place which is smelly, that's not going to be the same as 
Lulav and Esser, which is being done specifically to go ahead and make God happy. So the Dark Age Shuv is drawing a distinction between mitzvahs which are intended or designed to make God happy. Those can only be done in a clean place. But those mitzvahs which are not really designed to make God happy, they're optional mitzvahs, they're discretionary mitzvahs, that if you want to do something, this is the, the prerequisite that you need to do. So that's completely up to you. And if you want to go ahead and do it, as long as you don't say the bracha in that bad, in the smelly place, so you are good to go. Okay. Now, we have a comment of, everybody talks about this, quotes these comments from Rav Shomel Zalman. So Shomel Zalman over here says a fascinating thing. It's fascinating for me on a number of different levels, but he says a very interesting thing, and I've wondered about this a lot, uh, just being aware of the restrictions against Torah study in a bathroom and thinking about Torah in a bathroom. So here Shomel Zalman says, Svarim, this is in his Sefer on the Tefillah, they put out after he was Nifter on Tefillah, Let's say there's a safer which talks about character development, making yourself into a better person. Which is written according to uh, you know our values and our standards. To be a rage there. He says, even though the safer was not rooted in Chazal. The author may not even be a Jewish person, but it's but it's not something which is based on a Chazal that the Gemara says this, and therefore we have a whole chapter about whatever aspect of character development we're discussing. It's not based on that at all. You're just talking about character development. El al It's like from a psychological point of view. You're reading Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl, as far as I know, I never read it. But Victor Frankl, as far as I know, was not did not base his perspective on Chazal. He based his perspective on his own experiences and his knowledge of psychology. So, but it is something which is going to you may use as a tool to make yourself into a better person. Ukedom and things which are similar. Veibem kedusha. And we're talking about works which there's no issue bringing the work. If it's an actual safer, the safer itself doesn't belong in the bathroom. So we're talking about a secular book which you are going to use to develop your character, the seven effective habits of whatever, Stephen Covey, you know, that uh, that book. And there's no Kedusha to it whatsoever. Says of Shomel Zalman, amazing. He says, He says, it may very well be that it is prohibited to go ahead and read that while you're in the bathroom. And there's a part of the note over there, which, again, this is my own fascination with, with it, where he talks about character development, how it is a, a mitzvah, and he quotes other sources to that effect, that character development itself is a mitzvah. And that's why, even though you're not reading from a Jewish source, you're not reading from Chazal, but nonetheless, the very fact that you're considering uh, the improvement of your character is a mitzvah, and therefore you're not allowed to do it in the, uh, the bathroom. But then on the footnote over there, so he comes along and he says, Ulam, so he quotes, the, first he quotes the Bir Halacha, in that whole discussion in the Bir Halacha about listening to uh, shofar blowing from the, uh, if you went to the bathroom in between, if your body was unclean, with the Magen Avram and whether or not you uh, you are allowed to do mitzvahs in a place which is not clean or not, then says the Shomo Zalman, you know what, I have a problem. Ulam al Shomo Zalman says, I don't understand what the Bir Halacha is saying over here. What his hesitation is, as far as <coughs> Excuse me, fulfilling the mitzvah of shofar while you are uh, listening to the shofar in the bathroom, for example. 
Because one of the things which the one of the issues which the Bir Halacha mentioned was the fact that mitzvahs many poskim hold that mitzvah strichas kavana that in order to fulfill a mitzvah you need to have kavana and if in the event that you need to have kavana so while you're listening to the shofar you have to have that kavana and therefore that kavana may itself be divrei Torah which is inconsistent with the place which is not clean so says the uh, says Rosh Hashanah I don't understand what that concern is because when you're fulfilling mitzvah, the, even those who are machmer in saying mitzvah's trichas kavana, that doesn't mean that you have to be saying the entire time you're doing the mitzvah, l'shem mitzvah, l'shem mitzvah, l'shem mitzvah, l'shem mitzvah. If you've ever seen, let's say, a scribe go ahead and put ritzuos onto a parent's tefillin, before he begins, he says, l'shem mitzvah's tefillin, and then the rest of the time he's doing the mitzvah, he doesn't say anything. So in other words, all you need to do is you need to declare before you start the mitzvah, that it's being done the shame mitzvah. But once you've made that declaration beforehand, while you're doing the mitzvah, you don't have to be saying that. You don't even have to be thinking it. So says the Shomel Zaman, if a person says to himself, I have kavana that when I listen to the nine blasts of shofar today, I'm doing it the shame mitzvah. Once you did that before blast number one out of the nine, you don't have to repeat that before each and every blast. One declaration at the beginning of the day is sufficient. So if I go in the bathroom between three and four or between six and seven, who cares? Because I already declared, I already I already stated my intent that I'm listening to the blast of the shofar in order to fulfill the mitzvah, and therefore it really should not be an issue. And then he says further, again, putting aside some of his arguments, he says, Venira, the rak He says, even though the Bir Halacha gives the impression that he subscribes to the view of the Mata Ephraim, who says that you should not be doing mitzvahs while in the bathroom, while in a place which is not clean. Rav Shomel Zaman says, the Bir Halacha didn't mean that any more than l'chatchila, that's not the ideal place to do a mitzvah. Not that if you do it there, you're not yotze. All he meant to say was, ideally, don't do mitzvahs there. That in the event that you have an opportunity to push off the mitzvah to a later time, so you don't have to do it in a bathroom or in a bathhouse or something like that. So it's nicer, it's a better fulfillment of the mitzvah. It's a more beautiful fulfillment of the mitzvah to wait and do it so that it's not demeaning to the mitzvah. But does anybody say that when coming out of the mikvah that a man isn't going to put on his tzitzis and begin the mitzvah right away? Nobody says you wait to, to put on your tzitzit until after you get out of the until uh, after you get out of the shower or the the bathroom or until after you get out of the mikvah. You put it on right away because every moment that you're wearing it is a mitzvah. Why would you do so? And then he says, and this is something which happens sometimes. I don't know how many of you have had the experience, but it happens. The same thing is going to be true if you're in the mikvah and somebody comes asking for tzedakah. That if a poor person approaches you in the mikvah, the hamakom eno naki, and it happens to be the place is not clean, you don't have to say to the honey, you know what, wait till I get dressed and I'm outside in the parking lot and I'll be more than happy to go ahead and give you money. There's no obligation. And you can even think about the mitzvah, you can have intention to do the mitzvah, even though you are not in a clean place. 
So Shomel Zaman says that even the mere halacha is machmer, it's only going to be machmer in a circumstance where um, you you could go ahead and do it elsewhere. But if this is the opportunity that you that you have to do uh, to do the mitzvah, so there's going to be no issue at all with doing it at that time. Okay. Now we get to the topic which we were that, that the title of the shear was about uh, paying back a loan with Zell while you are in the bathroom. So why is that going to be a shaila? So for this we go to Choshemishpat. And over here in Choshemishpat, Simon Sani Zayin Steve Tesvav. So the discussion that this sif uh, jumps in the middle of is whether or not a shliach basin that in the event that there's a delinquent borrower, a borrower is not paying back his debt, so when is Basin authorized to enter his property and start confiscating things in order to pay back the lender? So comes along Shulchan Aruch now in Sif Tesvav, and he says, there's an opinion which says, when is it prohibited for an agent of the Basin to enter the borrower's house and start taking uh, items as a pledge to cover the loan, the unpaid loan, the 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 balance due on the loan, is Leos It's only going to be where you want to go ahead and you want to take something from the borrower, so that when the loan is due, we have greater confidence that he's actually going to pay. and we're talking about a circumstance where the the due date for the loan has not yet arrived. So since the loan isn't actually due. As of yet, it's not due till next week or next month. So then the Shliach Basin isn't allowed to go in and start taking stuff in the bower. But when the time to pay back the loan has arrived, and you want to go ahead and you want to collect the loan, and the bower says, no, I'm not paying. You send them an invoice, an invoice, an invoice, and he's just not paying. And the, the, it's a safe assumption, circumstantial evidence points in the direction that the borrower has the means, has the resources to pay back the loan, and he's just not doing so because he just doesn't want to. Then, then the agent of Basin is authorized to go into the borrower's home, start confiscating property, repo man, so they could go in and they could start repossessing Assets of the borrower. Why? Here comes the key term. Because repaying a debt is itself a mitzvah. It's not just an obligation, but it's a mitzvah. And if a person says, I'm not paying back the loan, what are you going to do about it? So we're able to say to the borrower, you know what we're going to do about it? We're going to take out our cane and we're going to start whacking you upside the head until you go ahead and you scream, Mercy, you scream, mommy, or you say, I'll pay back the loan. Either one of those would be more than sufficient. But uh, means you could bring them perhaps to the brink of death or maybe even cross that line into death in order to make sure that he goes ahead and does a mitzvah. So now let's put all of this together. Now that we know from source 10 over here, from Chosha Mishpat, Tadi Zayin Tesvav, that there's such a thing called Prius Balchov Mitzvah. So now the question is, you have a debt which is due, and you find that uh, when you're in the bathroom, that may be a convenient time to go ahead and sell the, your lender that money to pay him back. 
And the question now is, is that something which is acceptable to do? Is it something which is not acceptable to do? And this will relate to the sources which, uh, which we saw. That certainly there are some postgame who say that a mitzvah such as this is not done to appease God, using that uh, the, the, the distinction by the dark Shuva, that this is not a mitzvah, I say, which is intended to appease God. It's just a mitzvah which is sort of functional in, the, in that regard. And therefore, the dark Shuva would say there's going to be no issue to go ahead and, and do so. But Shomel Zaman also says the Bir Halacha initially said that there should be no issue with doing a mitzvah in a dirty place because what's going to be the issue since when is that going to be Yasser? And even according to the Mat Ephraim, which the Bir Halacha quoted, which is hesitant to go ahead and do mitzvahs at that time. But Shomel Zaman says that, that at worst is just the Chatechila. And in the event that one has the opportunity to go ahead and pay back the loan, and one is afraid that when they go out of the bathroom, they'll be distracted by other things and they may not get around to it. So certainly it's better to go ahead and do the mitzvah. Something which we say very often is the biggest hidur mitzvah is to do the mitzvah. The biggest beautification of the mitzvah is to make sure you do it, because if you try and do this hitter and this hitter and this chum and this chum, and you end up not doing the mitzvah altogether, so that's not a beautification of the mitzvah to end up not doing the mitzvah because you're trying to beautify it so much. So the biggest hitter of the mitzvah is to go ahead and do the mitzvah. So it's certainly, we one would be hard-pressed to say that it's usher to do so. In the event that one could make sure to do it right after they go out of the bathroom rather than in, so then you would satisfy with Shomel Zalman who says that maybe the chatrili should not uh, uh, do so. But even then, what the uh, the Darke Tshuva says is very mistaber that a mitzvah such as this, it's not a Dvarm Shebe type of mitzvah. It's not intended to leratzos. It's not intended to appease or to make HaKadosh Baruch happy. It's just an obligation which you have to do to keep your word and repay your lender. So it certainly is not us to go ahead. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you liked what you heard. If you did, please take a moment to share this or any of the many episodes available on our platform with friends in order to help grow our community. Until next time, Shalom. Shalom.